Hello and welcome to episode 314 of the Mark and Me podcast. As always, I'm your host Mark. Now joining me on today's episode is the singer from a band that I've only recently discovered. The band are called Holy Wars and they've blown me away. I've recently been able to listen to their brand new EP which has only just come out and it's called Cult Classic and it's absolutely awesome. Seriously, I haven't stopped listening to it for the last few weeks. And today I'm joined by the singer Kat Leon. She is amazing from start to finish and I've said this a few times on Mark and Me. Now and then you get a guest where it's just completely effortless. It feels like you've known them for years and the way you talk, it's not work. It's just two people that have the same chemistry, the same ideas, are very creative and you just bounce off each other. There's no awkward silences and it's a dream come true when you get a guest like this. And Kat is one of those for me. I'm so proud of today's interview and I hope you all enjoy it just as much as me. But before I get to it, I always like to use the intro for each and every episode of Mark and Me just to quickly talk about my last episode. On episode 313, I was joined by Jay Blakeson, an amazing director, amazing writer, and we got to talk in detail about his brand new series on Disney+. Plus. We got to talk about his film career and so much more. And it really was awesome. And a massive thank you to Jay for sharing it and everyone that jumped on board and the amazing feedback that I received on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. As you know, I take a lot of time to read all the feedback, reply to each and every message I get and it really means the world. So thank you so much. But today it's all about the amazing band Holy Wars. They're incredible. They're doing something that I think no one else is doing right now in the scene. It's so good and I can't wait to share it with you. So I think the best thing to do right now is to get straight to the interview. So here's me and Kat talking all things Holy Wars. So Kat, thanks for joining me today on the Mark and Me podcast. Thank you for having me. What I do on all episodes of the podcast, and it doesn't matter if you're a writer, a director, a musician, is take it right back to the very start. And I'm always interested in when you were growing up, um, those first albums that you remember that you maybe bought with your pocket money or you were given from a family member or a friend that made you fall in love with music. Oof. Uh, it definitely, well, I don't know if we sound like this band, but it was, it was okay. Computer Radiohead. One of the greatest <laughs> I, albums ever made. I know. And I know it sounds cliche that I'm saying it, but it's the honest to God truth. Um, that was definitely the first time Fiona Apple as well. Uh, those were the artists that were pretty significant for me personally as a kid that I was like, I really want to say a lot. And it was more the words for me first and then yeah. the vocals. So I, I also trained myself as as that as well, where in sixth grade, I was writing poetry and entering poetry contests, but then I only started to sing and take vocal lessons to support the words. And yeah. I noticed that those artists were very much that same way. Like, as much as I love Tom York's vocals, no one's saying like, Tom York is the greatest singer, but the way he expresses his thoughts and his words, it, it hits in such an incredible way that that was really what inspired me. So 
definitely okay computer because that was just that era that I that I was in but then when I went backwards and kind of caught up it was just it was the whole all of it and I loved how every album Radiohead has changed their sound and they just kept exploring and developing themselves that I it also taught me for better or worse in our own band you know you don't ever have to just be one thing and 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 then I always think about that when I'm when I'm writing something. I don't ever think about, oh, is this going to be for this market or this playlist or this radio? It's more just about what do I want to say and what music best supports that, you know. Radiohead for me are one of the greatest bands ever. Um the yeah. fact they brought out Kid A and changed music like Mm-hmm. They do not sound like the same band that could have brought out the Benz or then released uh, Amnesiac later on. It mm-hmm. was amazing how they just continue to evolve. Um, yeah, they never play it safe. They never make the same album again. And I think if that's someone that's influencing you, then you can't go wrong. Uh, OK Computer is for me one of the top ten albums ever made. I, I honestly don't know it's how a you write album. I don't know how you write an album like that. I just sit there and like. Yeah the journey that something like paranoid android takes you on it's just mind-blowing yeah and even the level of lyricism too like i always you know how society based political based that they are but they say it in such a way that you don't feel like it's just jammed on you it's very thought provoking and i feel like that is kind of definitely inspired me so yeah. where, where on first listen some might be like you sound nothing like radiohead but if you go under the hood then you're like oh okay i get why that lyric was that lyric and i get why you know so it's a huge influence and exit music for a film is definitely oh the, the one song yeah that could i I, I've, I've often said this in the most morbid way but if i have the choice to play music on my death day please play me out to that song <laughs> well this is being recorded and, so hopefully someone will listen and be like yeah. right and take note and then when it does yeah. happen don't kill me please you'll get the song yeah <laughs> Yeah, don't die too so, soon but when you do yeah, get the right song yeah. yeah but you know come to my aid and just play this in my ear but yeah, yeah that, that song <laughs> makes my hairs on my neck stick up like it, it shends like shivers down my spine and i i, hey, I can yeah. i listen to it more and more and i'm always hearing something new it might be a different slight guitar i didn't hear from johnny greenwood at first or a different yeah. harmony from tom but that song and that album, like, it makes me now just want to go and listen to it right yeah, I now. Know. <laughs> I'm like, should we just spin this interview off and listen to Radiohead together? But um, I know. And that's an album, too, because, you know, it becomes such a single bass music industry. But then there was like, you can't not just listen to one song and fuck off. Like, it, nah. it is. You have to listen to the whole album from start to finish. And I miss albums like that, honestly. <laughs> Well, I think it's a lost art now, and I think I'm not I'm not disrespecting any artist, but bands obviously want to hit hard straight away because people's attention span now because of TikTok yeah. and streaming. It's literally get those first hits on the album straight away and try and grab someone's attention. But yeah. I'm I was literally talking to Biffy Clyro um, on the podcast, and we were saying it's a shame that they don't get these opportunities anymore to really release this full album that's potential that takes you on a journey that's track listings are even like put down in an order to take you through that it's all about quick let's get everyone to listen to us right away you know yeah yeah definitely well you know we're kind of unfortunately like the product of that as well even though I do like like our debut album eat it up spit it out I was like I want interludes I want even though we've crafted this album over the pandemic and it wasn't a concept album per se but 
when you look at everything of what I'm saying lyrically and even the sounds Nick's Nick's producing with, you know, song to song, there is a very, uh, you know, obvious through line to everything. And it was about the society we become and this like devalue of art and music and life for that matter. Dating even in this society is so hard, I imagine, where it's just like, cataloging you know you don't really get much human interaction and it's more just a digital yes no you know kind of society that's the same across the board so I really wanted the interludes and the the intro and the outro I wanted everything to feel like a cohesive body of work because that's how I first fell in love with music was listening to full albums you know we sound like two old people now and everyone's like shut up grandma granddad like i am yeah i'm i mean i'm a millennial so you know sorry to (laughs) i'm not the gen z so but but i I am at that cusp where you know i the internet was in you know my youth so i i did i'm not so far where it's like it's got to be this way and this was what music was but i also see what social media and this it's not the music industry anymore. It's the internet industry. That's what yeah. we've become. And it's it's so, to me personally, I think it's so much pressure. It's, it's so oversaturated. And I'm not trying to be a gatekeeper where like you can do music, but you can't. But it's it's changed it in such a way that I don't even know if anything, like I don't even know what's good anymore. It's just, is it shocking? Does it grab you? Like now artists are writing songs for TikTok for transitions only. And that just, I don't know. I mean, but you're right. I, I sound like a get off my lawn person. <laughs> so I should just f- fuck off, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> so talk to me about live music because I talk uh, way too much on every episode, but I always like to talk about one of the first gigs I went to and it was Green Day. Um, and yeah. I saw them on their Dookie tour and they blew me away. I absolutely yeah. couldn't get enough of them. And that's what kind of then got me into bands like Pearl Jam, Soundgarden, Nirvana, Deftones, all these sort of bands. But what was that first gig that you remember maybe you went to that kind of had that impact where the hairs on your neck stick up, your kind of chest shakes from mm. the bass guitar and you got that kind of, oh my God, like this is what I want to do. This is the power behind the music in front of me. Well, I have two answers. My first concert ever was actually Is it not Puff a cool Daddy. one? Oh, no, right, no, cool. it was. It was Puff Daddy, uh, Lil' Kim. It was like this, uh, it was... I was, I remember too, my friend, like their, her parents got a limo for all of us. We couldn't drive, we were kids, but it was like, that was like a, I was like going to a rap, you know, <laughs> hip hop concert. It was like, be, it was like their family tour. I mean, I'm going way back into like the late nineties here, but um, that was the first one. I wouldn't say it gave me chills. It was just more like, that was my first concert. And yeah. I went, I went in a major way, but um I would say, I mean, Radiohead, definitely to repeat myself, it was Hail to the Thief. Oh, my uh, God. Yeah, and that was the first time I ever saw them. That was, like, my first of now seven, eight times that I've seen them. But at that time, that was my first time. That was Chills at the Hollywood Bowl. But my other answer that I have to say really did change me was Savages. And I know nice. they're not a band technically today. No. Jenny Beth is solo. but. Yeah. I caught them at Coachella. I, I, uh, it's a kind of embarrassing to me. Well, I shouldn't say that. Please hire it. <laughs> Have us Coachella. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but it, Coachella's became very influencer based. So I'm of just course. saying it for that reason. But it was, you know, um, I, I'm trying to remember who was even headlining then. I think it was Muse actually. But they, uh, 
I caught them in a tent and I caught their last couple songs. And I knew of them because here in LA, like I had their record, like, but I never saw them live and I liked it. I did, I did, but I'd never, it just, it didn't give me this feeling that when I saw them live and that was the first time I was enthralled by a front person. I was just like, the way Jenny Beth commanded that crowd, the whole band, but I remember seeing Jenny in the audience, like propelled up by her her knees <laughs> by the the audience members and just singing to them with such like intensity and vitriol. And I knew in that moment, like if I'm gonna do music professionally, I need to be, it's like all or nothing, you know? So I would say that was the hair standing on the back. Was of my that neck. the kind of moment, or was it a bit later on in life that you thought, I want to do that? I want to go on stage. I want to do this for the rest of my life. Because there's always a point, isn't there? There's always a band you see, or a song you listen to, or a gig you attend mm-hmm. that has that moment that makes you say, Do you know what? I want to go at this. Yeah, um, definitely that night. But, yeah. and then I saw them perform that I actually think was their last performance in the States as a band. It was at the observatory headline. Cause I, I only caught a couple songs of that. And then I was like, I have to see them next time they're here. And I did catch that. And then to my understanding, that was the last time. And then they broke up right after, but um, there was, I, I don't remember the band. It was a solo artist. Uh, I wasn't doing music then. And I remember, I mean, I was doing it in the privacy of my own home, yeah. writing, like piano songs, but I wasn't doing it publicly. And I remember seeing an artist and they were just so vulnerable on stage and they were playing their music. And I just remember having this admiration for them and this envy at the same time that they had the confidence to do that. And at that time I did not have any confidence and I thought, why would anybody want to listen to me? You know? And that was the moment that I think really made me start to question why them not me and if i if they were if they had that capability to inspire me maybe if i just get out of my own way and put myself out there in a vulnerable way i could help other people because it's all you know music's so powerful of course, that yeah. way. and it took a few years of me actually developing into that confidence but um yeah, I think that, again, I, I can't even tell you who it was. It was a local artist in Los Angeles that I just happened to stumble in at a bar, but I was completely just engaged. And and so, I would, yeah, I admired that so much because at that time it wasn't who I was. So I wanted to be like that, you know? So, so before Holy Wars, obviously I don't know your whole um, career to date. Were you doing mm-hmm. the whole thing at college or school where you formed bands or covers bands and then kind of built up to this? Or was this kind of one of your first avenues into music? Well, yeah, I have two sides of how this even came to be. Um, I did, uh, I, I'm from the East Coast. I grew up in theater. So I was always, and I did classical piano training. I wrote a lot of poetry. Uh, I wrote some horrible songs in my on my piano crying (laughs) over a breakup you know um but then I I, yeah I did a lot of theater and and it came to that place where growing up in Connecticut you're so close to New York I went to an art school called ACES Educational Center for the Arts where it was just for it was like that show or that god my my older siblings like it was called fame do you remember that it was like I do yeah yeah it was kind of like what I that was you know where I would go to my my high school 
And then I would go to this school right after for, for like four hours. But I knew early on, I didn't want to do theater anymore. But in, in where I grew up, there was no bands. There were no punk bands. There was, it was where Nick grew up in Las Vegas. It was all hardcore and punk. So he actually grew up playing in bands in high school, but I didn't. And I, I decided I wanted to come to California. My family was already out here anyway. So it was an easy, yeah. it was an easy jump. And I went into acting first because I thought, well, theater, I'm just going to go into acting. And then I realized I do not like film. I like filmmaking, but I don't like acting in front of the camera. It just wasn't for me. So then um, cut to, you know, still playing music in my bedroom and such. I was uh, waiting tables. I got cocktailing at this sports bar there was a casting director for this VH1 show that came in and there was this, uh, we had this hosted night called Rock Band, that that game, like guitar. Oh, the one you play along to, yeah. Yeah, so our our bar, I'm again, I was a kid. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I was old enough to be, I was 21, so I was old enough to be in a bar, but I, I you know, I would go up and sing creep and maps you know whatever like songs i knew with the with the patrons so they would like always need a singer and they'd be like oh cat get up here so i would like have my apron on still and like sing, you know singing and one of those nights uh this casting director was in there and she pulled me aside and she said i'd love for you to be on the show we have a show called rock band to the stars and um yeah i was like oh reality tv no i want nothing to do with this and she's like oh it's not like it's not like big brother you don't live in a house it's it's just one weekend we pay you for the weekend and you play rock bands and i said i don't know how to play this game i only know how to like sing and even then you have to be so pitch perfect to win the points you know you had to get, get the, the right most, amount the highest... of points yeah yeah you have to kind of sing robotically and i'm like up there singing like it's my my <laughs> show you know <laughs> so i was i was like wavering my like vibrato and i was like clearly not even good at that so anyways for better or worse, she was like, well, just consider it, you know, and I did. I was like, wait, I get I get paid. I don't have to work at the bar this weekend. Fuck it. I'm going to try it. So I do. Sebastian Bach and Alice Cooper were the judges. Oh, Ted my Stryker, God. Yeah. Ted Stryker was the host. And there was hundreds of us that they were serious about this game. And deservedly so, because that's what this game show was about. And I just passed every round. And and. People were even like, why did she get there? She doesn't even play the game. And I was like, I don't know. I'm, so, I'm sorry. Uh, but I got through. I got it onto the show. Alice Cooper. Uh, I made it so far until I finally got cut, you know, and because I was always going to get cut. <laughs> I, I was even like, I don't know why I'm here. But fate is making me stay here, I guess, which it was because after I got cut, they smash your guitar for you. And a PA comes up to me and says, you know, Alice Cooper wants to, wants to see you. I was like, me, why? You know? So I go over to where his green room was and Shep Gordon was there, his manager. And he was like, Hey, he's like, so uh, what's your story? And they, and I was like, Oh, I'm, you know, I am a cocktail waitress. And they're like, but do you sing? Do you play music? I said, yeah, I mean, in, in my bedroom, but nothing like professionally. And he just kind of talked to me like a dad. He was like, you know, you're young. Why not? And he's like this. But he did say he's like this business is, you know, I wouldn't want my own kids to be in this business. But he he said he literally said things like I, I've seen Kelly Clarkson and she's no better than you. Like, you should try it. 
And I don't know. I took it like a, a sign from fucking the universe. I was like, that's so like, surreal. Was, yeah, that's why I was like, there's a whole other story how I came into this. Um, and I said to him, you know, I was like, okay, well, wait a second. If I if I do this, what do I do? You know, like, do I? How do I become a musician in Los Angeles? Like, who would care? So he was like, well, get a band. Um, and he said, get a gimmick. He's like, take it from me, you know, get, and, and I didn't take the gimmick thing. Um, at the time, you know, Lady Gaga was like yeah. the meat dress and the Kermit frog thing. And, and I was just like, that's just not me. You know, I just, I really just want to write real, not that, I mean, she's an incredible artist, but I just want to write the, like the saddest songs you can think of and just, you know, exit music for a film. Like I just yeah. wanted to like write that over and over. And, uh, but yeah, he gave me great advice that day and Shep Gordon too. I met him and I, and I even said, I was like, you know, is there, if I do this uh, and I write an album and I somehow get the money to record it, like, do I send it to you? Or what do I do? And he's like, yeah, sure. So Shep Gordon gives me his home address in Hawaii. It sounds he's like, like yeah, a film. This is incredible. It is. It is a long story and I'll try and. Sh- no, it's great. So I remember um, on Wayne's World when they go and meet Alice Cooper and they're like, we're not worthy. Yeah, so yeah I'm just exactly. imagining you going backstage and him standing there like, get up, get up. Uh, yeah. And I'm a kid, you know, and and and, and he was. And, and again, I have to preface because we live in this time like there was nothing creepy about it. He was such, like literally talked to me like I was just a daughter. And he just was like, I see something in you. And I don't know. He's like, maybe I could be the words of encouragement that you just wouldn't tell yourself, you know, and it was literally like that. And so I, I, of course, I, I looked at the home address. There was no email, no phone number, just an address. And I was like, oh, this must be fake. But OK, thank you. And I take it and I think nothing of it. And it just became the story that I told people that I met Chef Gordon and I have his address in Hawaii. But to me, I thought if it was a real address, it would be in Los Angeles. You know, yeah. at least that's what I thought as a kid. And um, but I did do what he said. I put out an ad to MI and I tried to form a band. And that's how I met Nick. And we wrote a lot of music and, you know, we did play pr- prior to uh, Holy Wars. We did kind of try the whole yeah. uh, L.A. thing and we wrote music and it took a growing period of me trying to figure out how to write music like this. And also Nick, you know, he always grew up in the punk hardcore scene and now he's like playing a totally like a, a female fronted thing and we were into blues rock at the time nico vega was really popular in our local scene and i was like i love nico vega so we were doing like a like a three person thing where nick would have his guitar and his bass going through the same you know it's a very jack white style so it's a different sound than what we're doing now but anyways long story short um we i hold on to this uh piece of paper that chef gordon gave me I thought I lost it because it was tiny and I, and now it was just like, I was even like, did it happen? Did I just like <laughs> pinching yourself? My... Yeah. Yeah. Cause people were like, yeah, well, let me see it. And I was like, I can't find it, but I, ha- I this happened, you know, I was like gaslighting myself. So then 2015 happens, my parents pass away and I'm now stuck here by myself, even though I have older siblings, but I'm in California alone with them or where their house it was. And I'm cleaning it out by myself. And I shit you not, my mom had the piece of paper. She saved it in her filing cabinet in this like little envelope. And I just was like, I brought me to tears. And at that point, Holy Wars started. Um, or no, I'm so sorry. I, I didn't start Holy Wars. I stopped the band I had yeah. before it and Holy War started in 2017. 
but I didn't want to send the old music that I wrote because I was like, this is not even a thing anymore. And I wasn't even really proud of it. Um, but I kept it. And then Nick and I were watching Supermensch, which is all about Chef Gordon. And it takes place in his house in Hawaii. And I was like, it was real this whole fucking time. And I never sent him anything. One, because I lost it or I thought I lost it. Finds out my mom kept it because maybe maybe I told her to keep it. And I just forgot. I don't know. It was many years have passed during this time. So as we're watching Supermensch, Holy Wars had started. So it was 2017. And Nick looks at me and he was like, for the love of God, just send them something. And we had a manager, like we didn't need anything from them. It was just more to put like closure on this year's story that these two men gave me the confidence to to do what you need I to always know, don't wanted you? to. It would have been the worst story ever if you just have kept that piece of paper and never done anything. That'd have been like, what an anticlimax. Right. So we do our first EP, Mother Father. That was de- that was all the music that I wrote uh, after my parents' passing in 2015, and in 2017. It was only like five songs, six songs, because you can imagine I wasn't really writing a lot then, and that's kind of why Holy Wars started and why I call it Holy Wars. It's nothing to do with Megadeth. I'm very sorry, everybody. <laughs> uh, but it was a personal Holy War that I was going through at the time. Also, religion destroyed my family. Like so much backstory there, but. I just was like, okay, I am going to send them this EP and I don't have a phone number or an email. I'm just going to write him a handwritten letter with the EP, send it to him. And I even said, I told him the story. I said, I met you during this time. I thought this address was fake. I watched Supermensch. I saw it was real. I lost the piece (laughs) of paper. My parents died. I found the piece of paper. I took it as a sign. I want nothing from you or Alice Cooper. I have a manager, but I just wanted you guys to know I've done all of this for these years. I've had my music on Fox. I've done all this stuff only because you guys told me I had the goods to do it. And if it wasn't for you, I would probably still be waiting tables. It was like that type of thing. Yeah. And and I got a. I left my phone number. I left my email. I said, I'm only leaving you my information as a hope that if you're ever back in LA, I could buy you a drink. That is it. That's all I want. And I got a text message saying, hey, Shep Gordon here. I read your letter and he said it was really moving. Thank you for sharing that with me. And, and I have his number. And he was like, yeah, if we're in LA... Uh, let's, you know, I'll take that drink. And and I haven't seen him or talked to him since, but that's all I needed. Like I just needed to put a period. The clarification to to know it was actually him as well. And the right address is a perfect ending. It didn't need to be that he suddenly signed you or got you on tour. It's the fact that he he was legit. It was legit. And, and I, it, and I don't, you know, spiritual, I'm not really religious, but like for my own peace of mind, I do like to believe that my parents are existing in some other realm or they're here, but I can't see them or whatever. So to me, it was also your mom's still looking out for you even now. Exactly. Exactly. And it was, it was all that. It was that it was the, this long story of why I'm even here today, having this podcast with you. So it, it, yeah. So sorry for the side tangent, but that is why and how I I did it. I'm so glad it's a good ending to the story. I'd be gutted if it was like, and then I never heard back. I'll be like, Oh, you've told me all that story and there's no I end. Know. No, I heard back. I got his number. Yeah. I have it saved. I've never used it because I'm I'm trying to also he's only manages Alice Cooper. Yeah. You know, like 
But this is the man that also started the Food Network channel. Like, you know, he's just a brilliant mind. And the fact that he took time out of his day to read my letter, whether he heard my EP or not, doesn't even matter. I just was like, here is some music I've done. (laughs) And it was after all this time. And and it's probably the most honest, raw music I've ever written. Because before then I was, I wrote music, but it was like, you know, like, oh, maybe we should do do the radio. Or I was really influenced by this band. And this was like, I was influenced by nobody. This is pure emotion. Here you go. (laughs) Yeah. It's life events, isn't it? You can't get any more kind of real than that or kind of raw than that. You know, the the death of your family. I'm sorry to hear that. But uh, obviously it's a subject that you'll only get to write about once, you know, Uh, such an important part. So um, moving on from then, I suppose, 2017 mm-hmm. you were saying you were doing this and then sent the music off uh, mm-hmm. at this point you'd met nick as well did you oh, have yeah. any, did you have any expectations you and nick together did you kind of want to reach, reach any goals like did you have any dreams like well one day we might play slam dunk festival or one day we might do you know riot fest yeah. was there kind of a goal that you guys set yourself or were you just kind of getting to know each other working together and just seeing where it went well, both. I think when we first started, because I met him in 20, gosh, 2013, 2012, 2012. Yeah. And it was before the passing of my parent, you know, so we had all that time of just, yeah, playing the local scene, not really knowing, like, I knew, like, if you asked me, what do you want? I would give you all the answers, but then it wasn't a focused answer. It'd be like, well, I want a tour and I want this and I want a record deal and, you know. Um, and also too, at that time when I was, you know, bartending, cocktail waitressing, I was also very much, uh, there would be this narrative that the customers would say to me like, oh, let me guess you're an actor slash musician (laughs) slash waiter. And then I felt like, yeah, like I'll remember this one time we had this dumb luck opportunity to where the music supervisor at Fox saw our band play heard our music and wanted to give us a chance. We happened to have an acoustic version of this one song that just hit all. So it was like the right place, right time. She was like, I want to help another, I want to help a female artist. You know, so she had a, also like, I want to help artists. And um, I was, it was like a Sunday morning, uh, um, you know, Bloody Mary's kind of thing. And I'm waiting tables and somebody was like, oh, let me, oh, so you're a musician. It was like this drunk guy. And he's like, oh, just get a real job or just go back to college or, uh, you know, marry a man and like, let him take care of you. Meanwhile, I hear my song on the commercial. And I was like, and I looked at him and I was like, really? I'm never, never going to make it. Cause there was always like, are you, are you signed to Atlantic records? Like people have this like perception of what success means in the music industry. And and that was then where it was yeah. like, if you're not signed, you're not shit. And I wasn't signed. I was an independent artist uh, for many, many years. And, but that was like, that just showed me success looks different where I, here I am waiting tables. I hear my voice. I look up and I was like, that's me. And of course he was like, yeah, okay. You know, he didn't believe it, but it wasn't for him. It was for me to know, like, I, this, this is possible. So then my goals started to change. Then I was like, what does this look like for me? How can I be successful in this? How can I get out of waiting tables? And then, then of course I had like, I want to play these major festivals and the, the dreams got bigger. And I'll also say when Holy War started, 
you know, I was doing everything I can to just not be grieving every day and looking at my life of like, I'm an orphan now. What does this even mean? How do you know that? And until this day, I struggle with this, to be completely honest. Goals to me are now distractions from depression. Of so now I've become like Pac-Man where I just every little ghost, every little achievement is like a, a like an like I'm insatiable, you know? So now I have to find the balance of being okay with where I'm at today and enjoying the win I got and really being present for that win versus being like, okay, that was great. Now what's next? So is I hope this answers your question. Is, <laughs> there, yeah. is there a part of you, and I say this with full respect, that keeps yourself so busy like Pac-Man going after all the ghosts all the time? Yeah. Because you don't want to stop and kind of face reality too much is that and I, I mean this with full respect are you kind of like no, I do it I do it you know I sometimes will make myself so busy do 10 interviews a day just because I don't want to think about the bad things and I've got a good life I'm happy but I'm just saying you know so if, if you're having a bad day or a bad time or there's bad events you'll preoccupy your mind as much as you can and I was wondering yeah. if you're I want to do this I want to do this I want to go here I want to go there because then you haven't got to kind of stop still and think too long a hundred percent. Yeah. A hundred percent. And I, uh, I, and I definitely also see the, the, the downside of that, you know, because now if I don't have a hundred tasks in a day, or if I'm not getting a phone call saying you got this opportunity, then I look at my self-worth as though I'm not doing enough or I'm not good enough. And, and that's in real time, what I'm to be completely transparent. That's what I'm now trying to figure out. How can I sustain happiness in an industry where you're constantly like rejected or you're winning or, you know, in a social media society where you're only posting the highlight reel, you know, so yeah. And now I'm really, you know, eight years deep of losing my parents still feeling like, I don't know if I'm really okay. Like yeah. I, I've, I've, I've come up, I've come through this on the other side where I'm not suicidal as I was, or I'm not, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, what's what's the greatest way to I'm not I, I guess I I guess I'm now more disassociating from the grief yeah but it doesn't mean the grief isn't still there it's just I'm not looking at it you know yeah I don't think there's a word to sum it up but it's not as raw and maybe you're dealing with it in a a, a different or more mature way of just times going on and you're just adapting to change but you're never get over that or you'll never accept it it's just learning to deal with each day as it comes I suppose yeah you're absolutely right and, uh, and I think that's why I still talk about them within the world of holy wars one because this band was started because of that loss of course but two I realize like I'm not here asking for pity I've certainly people have gone through way worse than even I've experienced but when you do talk about how you're feeling and you're being really honest about it, then other people that may hear that feels not so alone, if that makes sense. No, I mean, that's no, what definitely. happened with other artists for me. Yeah. So, so that's why I'm like, yeah, no, to be transparent, I don't even know if I'm technically okay <laughs> because I found a way to cope by distracting myself, but I wouldn't say that's a, it's a band aid, but it's not real healing, yeah. if that makes sense. So. Isn't it sometimes crazy and I can't relate because I'm not in a successful band, but I'm doing a podcast that's doing very well. But um, you put yourself in this really 
kind of uh, toxic environment sometimes because we could be serving people in a restaurant and the most you're going to get is some dickhead telling you that their food isn't cooked correctly or that, <laughs> yeah. you know, that it's took too long. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but we are in a entertainment kind of world and bubble where you're judged by how many likes you've got, how many Instagram, you know, um, likes you've suddenly received on your latest post, how many views you've got. And yeah. it's constantly a world of, it's never enough. And even when I, I was lucky enough on episode 300 to have the singer Simon Neal from Biffy Clyro, one of my favorite bands in the UK, mm-hmm. huge. Yeah, and it, it got it. to number two in the whole of the UK, number five in Canada and number 12 in America of all podcasts. So I was like, wow, fucking hell. But still, it was like, but it's not number one. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and <laughs> I, I some, get that. And, yeah. And I, I wonder sometimes why we do it to ourselves where it's amazing. And, you know, when you're putting out your video on YouTube, you're probably refreshing to see how many people have viewed it or on Instagram, how many people have looked at this yeah. reel and why is one person said we're shit, but that will hit you harder than the thousand people that say it's brilliant. And I, I, know. I don't know why we do it to ourselves sometimes. It's only when we talk out loud on interviews like this, I think are we crazy? Like we, we, there are other roads to take, but we sometimes, We're masochists. <laughs> yeah, we keep doing it for some reason. Yeah. I, that it's so true. Like, I feel like why, why have I chosen every industry where you're based? <laughs> like it's a rejection more than it is a win also today in social media. And maybe it's just what I see in my feed, but I, I'm seeing so much hate out there and not on the artist page, if you go to Billie Eilish, you will yeah. see mostly love, I'm sure, if not all love. But if you go to a publication talking about artists, it's mostly hate. And I just don't understand that. And, and I don't, and, you know, some people will say like, oh, well, you know, this is what people think. So they have freedom of speech to say it. But is it really what they think? Or are they just saying it because it's an opposing opinion and now they're getting attention on their comment or I don't know. I don't know why. And I feel like publications and and the algorithm, they're rewarding hate speech or this behavior. And it's become, I think, even more detrimental to anybody putting themselves out there on the internet in a vulnerable way where back in the day you might read your reviews or you don't, but it wasn't what it is now. Now it's so accessible. Information is out there so quickly. People can see anything out of context and now decide who you are in 13 seconds, even if they don't even know the whole story, they haven't even heard the whole song. It's so, yeah. So there's something wrong with us that we keep coming back for punishment only for those wins when number two in the whole is great, but it's not number one. Yeah. So I think we're just masochists. There's this strange mentality at the moment, which I've really discovered over the last couple of years. And I'm not moaning. I've just noticed it, especially with what you said about Billie Eilish and people that, people are trying to be the one person to hate it. So it's like the cool thing to do. So a brand new film comes out, everyone loves it, everyone's excited, something like Barbie, everyone's like, oh, this is brilliant, the acting's great, the story's great, Mm -hmm. Ryan Gosling's having the best time of his life, but it's cool to be the one troll to say, what's he fucking doing? He's wasting his career, or how shite does this look? And it seems to be that People will judge it before it's even been seen or been listened to. And people just want you to fail before you've even shown yeah. them what you've got. And I, I find that so difficult sometimes when I see a band bringing out an album or they've been announced as a headliner of a festival. And it's like, 
the organizers have taken a chance because it can't always be the same bands every year they need to have that part where they hand over the baton and they kind of like right it's my turn and usually those bands fully deserve it but it's like no they're not legends they don't deserve it they're too young they they haven't sold enough records they're not cool enough and i think yeah give everyone a bit more of a chance like we're all working really hard trying to make a name for ourselves bands are doing more now because of streaming to go on the road and actually sell records and travel and play more shows than they ever would even imagined just to break even and it's like (laughs) and and there's always they're like i want you to fail and i'm like give us a break you know it's well you know people they don't look at I mean, I guess anybody now, like it's like celebrity, the concept of like influencers now, where it's like anybody can do anything and go viral for anything. But still, when it comes to celebrities or musicians, no matter where you are and and like being known, like they'll be, I'll see this a lot too, like a musician that is like really fucking popular, but you'll still see comments that are like, who question mark as like a way to like bring them down. You know, know. and I'm like, this artist is doing way more than you've ever done in your whole life. And it's literally like Paul McCartney or something. And it's like, what are you doing? You know, but it's just like, and I think because they, they don't look at anybody on the internet, but especially uh, people pushing a a product or pushing a a song or an actor, they look at it as like, you're not real, so I can knock you down. Like you're not an actual person behind this. And I think that that's where it gets really dangerous. But at the same time, we are the ones putting ourselves out there because we have this need, this love of what we do. We don't love the internet. And in fact, every day I wish for the servers to be blown up. And then we have to go back to whatever dinosaur time that was post internet. But, you know, the thing I I write about, you know, like I, I have it nuanced in the lyrics of like this social media society killing humanity. I'm still going out there saying new song coming out on the blah, 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 you know? So it's like, I am the thing I hate because there's, it's like, do you want to be completely irrelevant and just go off the grid and go into yeah. the forest and do nothing? So I don't know. It, the I realism of it, it is it's, it's the tool that's made me, you know, without it, I wouldn't be number two. I wouldn't get people checking this out. I couldn't do it like flyers on a, <laughs> on a, a window yeah. of a gig uh venue or something it is literally i need twitter i need facebook i need instagram but it's uh it's the monster that i try and moan about but it's created what i've done so i can't i can't defeat it and everybody feels this way like i've seen i've talked to several musicians at least where there are different stages in their career and they all hate social media but they all have to do it and i think like the only way you can overcome this beast of the algorithm and maybe those trolls that exist now let's just have some fucking thick skin you know yeah or don't read it if you're or or re revalue like or, or rethink like do i really want to do this you know like there's a lot more in work that i think we have to do because and and hopefully you just always lead by example like if yeah. i see something on the internet i don't like i'm not the kind of person that will ever thumbs it down i will never say never. I, I will never comment and all I can do is just keep holding myself up to that standard. Obviously, with a name like Holy Wars, if we run an ad, there's so many shit talk comments about us not being Megadeth or whatever, because for better or worse, the name gives a certain demographic of people an idea of who they think we are. And when we're not that, they're really disappointed by it. And I have to understand, like, this has nothing to do with me. No. 
this is all about what their projection of what they, that I'm like, I'm infringing upon an idea that they think this is, and they don't like that. But if I make it too personal about like, they hate me, then yeah, I would be, I would never write a song again. I was going to say, you'd never leave the house. You'd never get up and try and ever write songs ever. Exactly. And, and I just have to, I just have to let it go and be like, look, this is what they want to say. And the only thing I have to now train myself is like, I can't be embarrassed if other people see those comments. It's just like, I don't need to look at it. You just kind of come to accept it, don't you? As much as you can. I'll I'll never completely, I can't sit here and lie to you and say that it doesn't bother me because the one person that says terrible interview, I'm like, damn you, Jedi223 who lives in (laughs) America who I don't even know. Like, damn you. But, uh, I'll yeah. I'll look at the nice comments and just kind of think okay it's it's all right and then lie in bed thinking yeah. about it for hours but then I will try the next day to kind of let it go. <laughs> it's true, and I've honestly I've adopted this like morbid nihilistic approach to everything now, where like the point is there is no point. No. So then I look at like this comment is fleeting. My life itself is fleeting. Why am I giving so much power? to this one person or when you go to their page it's a it's a photo of a car like you don't even know what they've got six followers yeah you know and it's just like and i say this with like as if i've like got this confidence that it doesn't destroy me of course i have those days where it hits me at the right right feel and i just am like oh my god am i shit but then i'm like wait a second i'm not doing this for you no I'm doing it for not just, I mean, first and foremost, myself, this is little like why I started the band in the first place was as a way of healing. And when I saw that that turned into a positive response for other people, then I'm going to keep doing it. But if this one profile says it's shit, then sorry, then move on to something else. We're not for you. You know, like not every product is for me either, (laughs) you know. So talk to me about Cult Classic. Obviously, the EP, as this has been recorded, is literally days away from being released. Uh, as this goes out, it will be out, so people can hopefully listen to us talk today and then go and check it out on any of the streaming sites or even buy it, you know. Um, and I was wondering, basically, how this EP came about. Obviously, it's off the back of an album. Um, mm-hmm. Was this just a fact of you had so many songs that you thought I don't want to wait for an album. So we'll do it, uh, you know, less is more and do an EP. Uh, yeah, there was definitely that. Um, also we started, we didn't start touring until 2021. Yeah. Like we played locally, but we never had the opportunity or the funds to just go on the road and, you know, go across at least domestically across the States. And when we started to do that, we did it and our debut album was coming out we realized we've gotten this response from the fans because we were opening. So most of them didn't even know who we were. They checked out our music prior, liked it enough to see our set. But then afterwards, when we would be at the merch table and meeting, meeting the the audience, you know, the fans, we were like uh, hearing the same thing over and over where they would say, I checked you guys out. I, I liked it, but man, live, you guys are heavy. You're aggressive. You're in the crowd. You're in the crowd, crowd surfing. Like I never expected this. And if only I have seen a hint of that, I would have been way more excited or, and that happened city after city tour after tour. And then Nick and I started to look at the writing and think like, okay, there's a disconnect here of what we actually sound like and what the music recorded is giving people the impression of who we are. So now we decided during that time, uh, and we were in the middle of touring. We were also in the middle of signing a record deal. 
And we didn't want to wait for a full length album. So we were kind of figuring out how to blend what we actually sound like with the recorded music. And we realized it had to go a bit heavier, a little bit more aggressive with the tempo. And we still get the lyrics, what I would talk about. And it wasn't even the lyrics. It was more just the sound that we were creating. So Cult Classic came about um, because we wanted to bring that live show to the recordings. But also during that time, it's like, I really wanted to say some things lyrically that I already have a concept of what I want our next full length album to be. And it's not that. So I want it and it's more cult classic. It's more society based. But also the feeling behind cult classic was, you know, our love of horror. And I really wanted to lean into the fact of what if the monster wasn't external, but it was inside of us. Amazing. Like what? So, so that's why body temple, if, if you saw the single cover for that, it's, it's kind of inspired by like the house of wax, but it's yeah. coming from inside. The burning is from the inside and deus ex machina, the mechanical God from the machine is coming from the, from inside of us, but called classic, the track is the first, though it's the only track in the whole EP where I kind of hint at, yes, it's coming internally, but it's also from this external influence that it makes us think our, about ourselves in a certain way. So that's, so that this EP is really for that expression also to experiment with how do we make our live sound our recorded sound. So we're really excited also what we're coming up with next because <laughs> now I but, think but I think that's amazing because I go and see yeah. many bands and they don't sound like the CD or the the stream I've listened to on the way to the gig. So if you get to now have the opportunity to really show yeah. the fans what you expect because when you're doing these uh, support slots and obviously headlining a bit with um, other bands and getting those kind of chances to win over a crowd that aren't there to see you, you want to make oh, sure yeah. that when they leave and go they come home, they get now cult classic and they're like, oh yes, that was the band we saw tonight. Absolutely. And I, and we've noticed too, like, you know, no matter, we've gotten way more uh, actual engaged fans by playing live than yeah. any ad we've ever put out or our song being on a playlist. We'll get some that were like, oh, I saw you from this and I, I'm a fan now, which is great. You know, so you still have to do the digital outreach. But what we noticed for our band it really is about that human connection and our live show that really, you know, and I'm out there and so is the whole band. We're meeting every fan that wants to meet us because we don't take it lightly. We don't no. think about like, like, oh, we're just doing this and then don't come and say hi to us. If we're allowed to be out there, I'm going to be out there and I'm going to I'm going to give everybody my time. And if I only get 60 seconds with each person, I'm going to make every 60 seconds count. Cause I don't, I don't take any of this for granted. You know, the That's fact amazing. that they are choosing to buy a ticket, they're coming to see an opening band, which already has like a stigma. I mean, how many times you hear like, Oh, I'm going to skip the openers, you know? So I, I really value every person that is in that room. And and if they actually liked us to talk to us, even more, you know, so never change. Uh, for me, that, always. That's, that is so yeah. important. People need to stay humble. And I know sometimes it might not be achievable if you get, if you grow and get so big that you literally haven't got time to meet every fan, but that mentality is so important. And I've met so many of my heroes that are then just, sorry, I haven't got a minute. And I'm like, I literally just want a photo or I just want a vinyl signed. And you, you haven't got one minute and I've invested 10 years in your band and traveled all around the country to see you. So it's so good to hear you say that sort of stuff. Yeah. Well, I, I, you know, 
back to life and death, you know, I look at it as like, you know, I want every show we play, every interaction I have with, with, you know, I'm not saying I'm opening myself up to haters and bad people. I got, you have to exercise boundaries, but, but I always look at it like, you know what? I don't, we don't know if we have the gift of tomorrow. So I want to make sure the last thing I do, especially with the art that I've created is always honest, always humble. And, you know, and I have to always realize it's not for everybody. So like it's for us. That's and a it, great mentality people. to have. Yeah. So I, I don't see myself. Hopefully I don't see myself changing. But, you know, I will come. If you do see that in me, I give you full right. Yeah, I'll come over like, and be like, you ignored me. How <laughs> yeah. dare you? You're like, you know, be like, listen, yeah, I, when you, you were told just me. starting out. <laughs> yeah, it's they keep me keep me humbled on my words. But I. I don't, I, I don't like that either when people no. act like they don't have the time for you. And I get it even in LA with people that are not even famous and they just look like, oh, who are you? Why yeah. should I care? It just is such a turnoff where you're talking to them and you're scanning the room to see who's more important to talk to. That's over your head. I hate that. So I always try to make sure I don't, I'm not like that. My, my final question for you today and what I do on this podcast to make it as fresh and as original as I can is every person that's been on and it's never changed since the very start seven years ago gets to choose the final song that's played. So this is going to be a tough one. I'm putting you on the spot. So as oh, today's episode is all edited and the world's ready to listen to us talk, you can have any song by any band in the history of music to be played. But why I'm asking this question is also for the reason. So I know at the moment your head's going, oh my God, I've got a thousand songs. I do. We've talked about a lot of bands today. But yeah. Tell me the one that came to your heart and your kind of head the moment I asked the question. That's what the best thing to do. Because if you think about it for too long, you genuinely will never whittle it down to one. I did think of two songs. Okay. The first one was Exit Music for a Film. Of course. Because that was the one that we just kept going back to. So feel free to do that. That one. has been used though, because Thrice came on and... Um, Ed oh. from the band Fries chose that. So I thought if you have another one, I always like to try and never repeat the same song. True Love Waits, but the live version would have been that my second to that. Amazing. Um, but I, when you said it, actually, New Noise by Refused came on So in my head. I've had Refused on here and they're just one of the most incredible live bands I've ever seen. Uh, Dennis are, as yeah. a front man is just mind blowing. And uh, that song, oh, everything about it is the reason I want to pick up a guitar, that I'd want to scream into a microphone, that I just want to go out. Like, let's well, have that's that. that's the song. Yeah. That, has it been used? Not yet. Okay. It would be a be contender one. for mine. If I ever interviewed myself, It that could easily <laughs> be one of the top five songs I'd pick just because... It still sounds like it was recorded yesterday. Yeah, it is so good. The energy actually, behind that song, my God, it's a mind I regret I never got to see Refuse, but we did have the opportunity right when we first started, um, we opened for Invasion. Nice. And I got the privilege to see Dennis live. Yeah. And, and I like the Jenny Beth story, the yeah. hair on the back of my neck, where I just was like, You'll get, res- you'll, get you'll get refused. They'll they'll be back. They'll they'll. I don't think they've gone yeah. forever. I I never thought I'd get to see them, and I saw them twice a few years ago, and it was worth the wait. So I do believe that one day you'll see him swinging his microphone and yes. hear new noise live, and that will be it. Life's complete. I love it. Well, that's my choice then. Amazing. Um, <laughs> honestly, I feel like we could talk for hours. And when you started talking towards the end, then about horror and the influences, I was like, oh, like. <laughs> I love horror films. So this is genuinely an open invite. I want you back on as soon as we can. 
and we can just talk about horror and film influences and everything that made the ep i think an hour today is brilliant and i've absolutely loved every minute of it truly uh but i think same same it's so easy to talk to (laughs) but i think we need to do more i think like this is chapter one and i i want i'd love to focus purely on horror influences and film influences and everything else so the listeners and the watchers right now can know this is only part one of a lot more to come if you're open to it i would have nick on that one because he i love horror but if you want the encyclopedia of horror he's the man (laughs) we we can do many different things we can have nick we can have you and nick we can do whatever but uh i do believe this is just the first of many yeah thank you i thank you for you know like i i really enjoyed like being able because you know sometimes when we talk about the history it reminds me of why i'm doing this in the first place and like like we said about that masochistic abusive relationship we have with ourselves but with the music industry or podcasts you know it it, when you do go backwards into the why did you start this in the first place it's always such a great reminder so i i always love these type of questions because i don't think in my daily life like why did i start doing i just keep go i keep going and sometimes sometimes you need to take a little snapshot of what you're doing or where you're at or remind yourself that there's you have to stop even though we're pac-man and i'm very like you i'll keep going you have to stop eventually a ghost will get you and you need to just you know push start again or you know go up a level because otherwise i think you can burn out i think it's very dangerous if you keep going and i think just us reflecting today is a reminder of where we've come to and where we've got to so far and it feels like our journeys are still only just beginning so it's really exciting that next time around we might be completely somewhere else and eating lots more dots and running away yeah. from ghosts but it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on today like, thank you and i hope to see you in person too so let's get get us to the uk yeah thank you so there it is there's my interview with me and the beautiful cat from the awesome band Holy Wars. What a great guest. Like I said at the start of today's interview, I felt from the moment I hit record, we just had something. It just felt like I'd known her for years. We're very much on the same wavelength when it comes to deep thinking and putting ourselves out there, and we had a lot in common, and it was just a beautiful chat that I enjoyed from start to finish. And as you heard, we'll get together soon, hopefully face-to-face if the band come to the UK, and talk more. I'm really intrigued about this film element that goes with the horror, and all the themes that encourage the writing of this EP, and the band themselves. I know they're huge horror fans, so I can't wait to dive deep and talk all about that on an interview in the very near future. If you've enjoyed today's episode, I will always keep these podcasts free, but what I do ask is you to share it. It costs you guys at home nothing to do this, and I know most of you have got Facebook accounts or Twitter or Instagram, and all I ask in return is just literally go on Twitter and if you see the episode, hit the retweet button. If you're on Facebook, like it or share it, or if you're on Instagram, hit that little heart. You don't realise, but that really goes a long way. It helps the algorithm for this podcast and gets more people out there to see this. I say it a lot on here, but people do forget. I think sometimes people think Mark and me is a company and I have loads of people working for me, but it is literally just me. I produce the episodes, record them, go out and find the guests, edit them and then put them out for the world to listen to. So any help that I can get from you guys at home really means a lot. So like I said, if you've enjoyed today's episode, please share it. 
I do also have a Patreon account. This podcast does actually cost money to put on directories like Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, and each month I get billed for this, and because I have a great amount of listeners, which is not a bad thing, I have to use more and more bandwidth, which really does cost quite a lot of money. But what I do is I have a Patreon account, and on there, if you're new to Patreon or haven't heard of it, it's basically like giving me a tip. Each and every month you can sign up and give me as little as £1 or £2 a month and that goes right back into the pot to basically fund this podcast. It allows me to travel the country, go to gigs and then interview people or go to film premieres and interview actors and directors which basically means you guys at home get more and more episodes and without that support I couldn't do this podcast. It's a hobby, it's not a full-time job, I adore it but I really do need the support so if you can Go on markandme.com and there's a link to my Patreon on there. Also, you may have seen, I do have a brand new YouTube channel. I've been badgered for so long from people by asking me, please get these interviews out there for us to watch. People love listening, but I've had a lot of people saying that they want to sit back at home and just watch a podcast. They don't want to always listen, so they wanted to see the interviews. And the response has been amazing. As we're sitting here right now, it's only been up just a month, but I've had over 10,000 people visit this site and watch the videos, and there's 10 videos on there with actors, directors, bands, songwriters, and a bit of everything. And if you've enjoyed today's episode, the interview actually with Holy Wars is up on there too. So if you'd rather watch it or now go and see what it looks like, go on there, put a thumbs up, subscribe to the channel, and it really does mean a lot to me. Right. Things have never been busier, and I don't say that lightly. I have got so many episodes to edit for you guys at home. I've got so many more people agreeing now to come on and do YouTube videos, and it's going to be hectic. Even though Christmas is coming up, I want to bombard you with so many episodes, so many interviews, and so many different things to give you all. And I can't wait to see all your reactions, because there's some amazing stuff coming up. In the meantime, just before I go, I'd love to say thank you to Hayley from the Good As Gold group for setting this podcast up. The support that the Good As Gold group give me is insane. Ever since this podcast launched, I would never be where I am without those guys, so thank you so much. Also, the sponsors of the podcast, Richer Sounds. Again, these guys have supported me for years, and each and every month, I really do appreciate their support. So if you are in the market for a home cinema system or stereo or turntable or whatever you want, go on richersounds.com. And finally, the Folio Society, a new sponsor to Mark and Me, but an amazing company that sells some of the most beautiful books in the business. They don't pay me to say this. I absolutely love them and I'm obsessed and I'm going to be asking for loads of their great books for Christmas. So if you also want some amazing books, visit the website foliosociety.com. You will not be disappointed. Right, I've talked enough. I need to get back to editing. So until I speak to you next time, listen to Holy Wars, take care of yourself, keep warm, and I'll speak to you all very soon.